Turn with me, please, to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6 and verse 11. I'm going to speak from the subject, God has chosen you. And God has chosen me. Will you look over toward your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God has chosen you. And then say, God has chosen me. There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained to Joash, the Abiezrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. One of the greatest challenges of childhood is the stress that results from the moment that one might or might not be chosen. A thousand times on the playground, in the classroom, in varied social situations, almost every child has stood waiting to be chosen. Those that were constantly desired and chosen were prone to develop a high level of self-esteem. Those who were frequently rejected, a low level of self-esteem. When one is frequently rejected, not frequently chosen, that person may develop the conviction that the exclusion was caused by some deficiency or by some fault in them. They may ultimately conclude that they do not deserve and they never will deserve to be chosen. So many feel that, feel that they will never be chosen, that they are saved but not chosen. No one has ever chosen them, therefore they feel that God will not choose them. They feel that they are chosen to be frozen, that they are frozen at their present level, frozen in their present position. They feel that somebody else is more entitled to the position or to the opportunity that they are supposed to have that they would like to have than they are. Many feel that there's no reason that God would choose them or that God would even use them. They are aware of no objective criteria of which they are particularly proud. They feel unworthy. They feel unqualified. 
So they would ask the question, why would God choose me? There's somebody here who feels excluded. There's somebody here who feels unworthy. Somebody here who feels locked out of the possibility of a great destiny. But I would ask, why not you? Why can't you be chosen? Why can't you be something great? Why can't you reach significance? Why can't you make a great difference? I would say you can do all of these things. It's a trick of the devil that he has brought upon many the conviction that they are divinely sentenced to mediocrity. I'm told that in their infancy, some little elephants are chained by one leg to a steel peg driven deep in the ground. And when they see the chain and notice the chain, they make strenuous efforts to break free over an extended period of time. And they try and they try and they pull and they pull against the chain and against the peg until they finally give up and no longer resist. From that time forward, their keeper controls them with restraints that they could easily escape because he comes and exchanges that steel peg deep into the ground with a, poor, a weak wooden peg just driven inches into the ground. They replace the chain with a light rope that the little elephant could easily break. But because he does not believe that he can escape, he never tries to escape. I'm convinced that many miss out on making a difference in their lives and in the lives of others because they simply don't believe that they can. They were not chosen so many times that they no longer believe that they can or will be chosen. That I just come by to encourage you today and let you know, number one, that it is God who does the choosing. Tell your neighbor, it's God who does the choosing. Not people, not circumstances, not your bloodline, not your history, but it's God that does the choosing. The Bible says in Psalm 75 and 6, promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, not from the south, but God is the judge, and he puts down one, and he sets up another. Come on after and say it, say it after me. I'm glad that God does the choosing. May I also affirm that God has infinitely more options than we do. God is unlimited in, time of, in terms of time, in terms of space, in terms of realm, whatever God's objective is, God has a million different ways by which he can accomplish his objective. So when the Lord sets the goal and makes a choice, God will bring results to pass. Psalm 135 and 6 says, whatever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in the earth and in the seas and in all the deep places. I have that verse on the wall of my study that God, whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases, however he pleases, 
whatever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in the earth and in the sea and in all the deep places. When I feel like I'm confronted by an impossible situation, I just look over and see my verse. God does what he pleases everywhere he pleases. He chooses whomever he wants. And he does not choose based on our criteria. I'm so glad God didn't use your criteria in making selection of me. I would have been lost, left out, and forlorn if he'd used your criteria. God chooses unlikely candidates. Look at your neighbor. Say, hmm, I see God chooses unlikely candidates. <laughs> First Corinthians 1.26 For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, the base things of the world, the things which are despised. Has God chosen and things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. Hallelujah. He chooses unlikely candidates because he doesn't want anybody to give the candidate the credit. He wants folks to give him the credit. Come on, tell your neighbor, give God the credit. Give God the credit. Hmm. Not your family background. Not your seniority. Gideon had a horrible family background, and he had no seniority. He said, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. But the angel said, listen, you the man. That's just the way God operates. So it's not your family background, not your seniority. It's not your age. The Lord said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1, 4, uh, 4, yes, 1, 4, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet unto the nation. Jeremiah said, I'm a child, I cannot speak. The Lord said, don't say you're a child. You'll go where I send you, and whatever I command you, you'll speak. Don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, saith the Lord. Somebody in here is afraid. Look over at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't be afraid. Tell the one on the other side, don't be afraid. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's not your family background. It's not your age. It's not your reputation. It's not the level that people place you on. David had been the youngest and most unlikely son of Jesse. It was a custom always to choose the elder son over the younger. But God commanded Samuel to anoint Jesse's youngest son, David King. And he explained it by saying, man looks on the outward appearance. But God looks on the heart. Folk, look at you and don't like you. 
Folk look at you and try to hinder you, try to block you. Folk look at you, don't like the color of your skin, the texture of your hair, and they put thumbs down on you. But I'm so glad God does not look at our physical appearance. The Lord looks at our heart. So it's not your age. It's not your moral perfection. It's not your righteous past. David, by the end of his reign, had many wives and many sons. And many of these wives were virgins whom David had married legitimately and who bore him sons honorably. But folk forget whose son Solomon was. Solomon was Bathsheba's son. I said Solomon was Bathsheba's son. Bathsheba had become David's wife by adultery and by murder and by deceit, and their first child had died because of the wrath of God. Their second son, Solomon, would seem to be the least likely person on the face of the earth to succeed David. His unsavory background would seem to disqualify him, but God chose the son of disgrace to be the recipient of grace, and he said to him, I've chosen thee to be king over my people. People would be prone to reject Solomon and look down on Solomon, but it was Solomon that God chose. Listen, if you come in here with a bad reputation, your life may not be perfect. You may not have lived at the level that folk think you ought to live on, but don't you be despair. If men reject you, God will reach down and change your life. Clap your hands and give praise to God. Uh, there are so many folk who feel that God had to reach up to get them. Oh, but I don't feel God reached up to get me. I feel that God reached down, walked right by a PhD, walked right by a billionaire, walked right by a president, walked right by a king, and reached down and got me. I don't know why he loved me. I don't know why he cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm so glad. If you're glad that the Lord is in your life, come on, give God praise. Hallelujah. The apostle Paul looked at himself in 1 Corinthians 15 and 9. He said, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy of being called an apostle. I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace bestowed on me was not in vain. I labored more in abundantly than all of them. It was the grace of God that was in me. Paul said, I was not worthy of being an apostle, but thank God, God selected me. He didn't pass me by. Aren't you glad God did not pass you by? Oh, I wish I had somebody who was glad that God is in their life. God, need, God loves to go outside the box to make his choices. I said, God loves to go outside the box to make his choices. Come on, tell your name and say, look at me, I'm glad. God loves to go outside the box to make his choices. People try to put God in a box. They try to decide who God can bless and who God can use. The Jews in Luke 4, 25 thought they had a corner on God. But Jesus said to them, listen, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elias, 
but God did not save any or sustain any of those widows. He did not enable any of those widows to have their uh, meal barrel always full and their oil bottle always refilled. Every time they poured something out, God put something else back in. But these were none of the widows of Israel. It was a lady from Sarepta, a city in Sidon, a Gentile city, not uh, an Israelite city, a Gentile city. God said, I'm going to reach outside the box. And then the same scripture says that there were many lepers in Israel, but God bypassed all the lepers and reached out and got a Syrian Naaman and healed him of the leprosy. Listen, God might reach out to folk who most likely, but I'm glad God pushed folk aside and reached down to me and saved me and changed my life. And that's what God did for you. You know you were an unlikely candidate, but God pushed somebody else aside just to get to you. Would you clap your hands and help me praise God? If you're glad he goes outside the box, come on, give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. If you're hearing this message today, if you're reading the word of God with me, I want you to know you are God's choice. Come on, tell your neighbor, you are God's choice. Hallelujah. 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 First Timothy 2 and 3 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Ephesians 1 and 4 says, He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. And so God, time and time again, informs us that He has chosen us, that He has made choice of us. And someone might say, well, I don't want to be chosen by God. But let me give you some reasons why you want God to choose you. Number one, if God chooses you, you win. I said if God chooses you, no matter what the challenge may be, no matter what the opposition may be, if God chooses you, you win. Psalm 65 and 4 says, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causes to approach you that he may dwell in your court and be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even thy holy temple. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. And so tell your neighbor, if God chooses you, you win. Doesn't matter what the opposition may be. Doesn't matter what the circumstances may be. If God chooses you, you win. But also you want God to choose you. Because if God chooses you, he begins to orchestrate all aspects of your life for your good and for your benefit. Romans 8 and 28 says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. In other words, if God calls you, 
to be involved in his purpose. And you began to work and walk and move toward the purpose of God. God gets all around you and makes everything work together for your good. Somehow when you're working for God, God makes everything fall in place in your life. You want God to choose you. Come on, tell your neighbor, neighbor. You want God to choose you. Oh, bless the name of God. When God chooses you, he not only gives you what you need for the job. When he chooses you, he gives you power to do whatever he gives you to do. It's God that works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Gideon said, Lord, I can't do the job. I don't know anything about this mighty man of valor that you're talking about. But the angel said, if God calls you a mighty man of valor, you are a mighty man of valor. Whatever the Lord calls you, the Lord enables you to do just what he said. God said, Gideon, I'm calling you. I know your limitation. I know what you don't have. But if I tell you to do it, I'll enable you to do it. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want God to choose you. You want God to use you because being chosen gives you an opportunity to show your gratitude and your appreciation for what God has done in your life. Everybody who's saved ought to want to serve God and bring glory and honor to the name of God. Everybody that walks on the face of the earth and is a recipient of the blessings of God, you ought to be trying to find some kind of way of letting God know you appreciate what God has done for you. Jesus came all the way from heaven down. He died on a cross that we might have life that we might have it more abundantly. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits? What can I do for Jesus who's done so much for me? How can I pursue the cause of Jesus Christ on the world? I should give my life, give my time, give my energy, give all that I am unto the Lord that the Lord might be praised. Raise your hand and say, Lord, whatever I can do to praise you, I want to do it. Lord, whatever I can do to thank you, I want to do it because you've done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. Yes. Lift your hand and say yes. How can we receive God's best and God's highest? How can we reach the potential that God had in store for us? You might say, preacher, you've convinced me that God has chosen me. How can I do it? How can I really be chosen? Well, number one, do like Isaiah did. Throw up your hands toward God and say, here am I, Lord. Send me. You've done so much for me. I want to bring praise to your name. Tell him, Lord, I want to volunteer 
If you need somebody, here I am. Number two, believe God. Have faith in God. Sometimes we impose our weaknesses on our God and we say, I'm not able to do it. I don't have the wisdom to do it. I don't have the power to do it. But listen, have faith in God. If God calls you, God will enable you. If God calls you, God will use you. If God calls you, God will give you strength. Lord, I know I can't do it by myself, but here am I. Lord, send me. Be willing and be obedient because the Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land and then give God glory and give God praise because the Lord said, my glory I will not give to anybody else. When the Lord finds somebody who will give him glory, who will give him credit, God will step in and use you to his glory. Yes. Oh, yes, he will. Hallelujah. I've got to close. The angel told Gideon and said, Gideon, you're a great man of value. God wants to use you, and he wants to bless you to do a great work. Gideon heard the voice of the Lord and believed the word of God. He called his army together, and 32,000 men showed up. But let me tell you that if what you would do for God is not great enough to require a miracle from God, then God will diminish your assets and cut you down. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, if what you would do for God does not require a miracle that will give glory to God, God will cut you down, diminish your assets so he can have glory. He loves you. He's chosen you, but he wants the glory. And so he heard Gideon say, I've got 32,000. I believe I can make it with 32,000. I believe I can overcome with 32,000. We are against 100,000 Midianites, but I believe we can overcome. And God said, if you believe it, if you think it, I've got to cut you down because I can't get glory if it's by your wisdom and by your power. Gideon, how many do you have now? Gideon said, I'm down to 10,000, but these men are good. 10 to 1. God said, oh, you think they're good. 10 to 1. I'm going to cut you down again. Gideon, how many do you have now? I hear Gideon saying, I'm down to 300. And there's no way I can win without a miracle from God. And God said, that's what I've been waiting on you to say. Go out there by my power and win the victory. They went out with 300 against 100,000, and God gave them victory, overcoming power. Grab hold of something that's bigger than you are. Take hold of something that you cannot do by yourself and say, Lord, I can't make it without you. But God, I believe that with you, I can do all things. Here I am. 
I volunteer. Take my hand. Use my hand. Use my feet. All that I am, I want to give you glory. I want to give you praise. Come on, clap your hands and praise the Lord. Yes. Yes. Believe God for something great. Believe God for something wonderful. Lift your hand to God and say, Lord, use my life to pursue your glory and to pursue your will. Jesus, you died on the cross. Jesus, you rose again from the dead. And if you can rise from the dead, I believe there's nothing that you're not able to do. God can do anything. Lift your hand and say, God can do anything. Yes, yes. Stand up and praise him. Stand up and give him glory. Give him glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, bless his name. Gideon believed God. He accepted the call of God that was on his life. And he went out and he did great things in the name of Almighty God. Jesus came that the world might be saved, that the world might be turned around. And if he loved the world that much and loved me that much, I'm going to take his hand and do his will and bring glory under his name. Tell three people we can do it. We can do it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I've got power that you can't see. God is living inside me. I can fight any enemy for God and me. I a majority. If Jesus arose from the dead, if he's in me, by God's power, I can do anything. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, by God's power, I can do anything. Come on, praise him. to your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path Lord I say yes thy will be done your kingdom come Lord I say yes your plan for the earth is what I want to be involved in. Lord, I say yes. You're at work in the world. 
you bring to come to pass your will and your way. You work, dear Lord, to turn the world in the right direction. You need some soldiers. You need some volunteers who will say yes. You've died for us. You've arisen from the dead. You need some folk who will say, I believe. And I'll say yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. From the bottom, the depths of my soul. Yes, Lord. chooses you, you win. You want God to choose you because if you set out to do what God tells you to do and to do the will of God, whatever God gives you to do, you can't die until you get it done. God has a purpose for your life and you go about pursuing that purpose. God will keep you alive until you do what God has assigned you to do. The Apostle Paul was given by God the revelation that he would preach in the city of Rome. Paul believed the word of God. On the way to Rome, they were shipwrecked in the middle of the sea on the island of Miletus. And on that island, Miletus, Paul was bitten by a viper. A poisonous viper bit Paul on the hand. Everybody thought Paul was going to die. They thought it was over for Paul. But Paul shook the viper off into the fire. And he remembered that God said, you're going to preach in Rome. And Paul said, this is not Rome. So I can't die till I get where God said I was going. Paul shook the viper off, went on about his business, never showed any sign of sickness. He went on to Rome. Reach over and grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, if God gives you an assignment, you can't die until you do what God told you to do. If you set out for it aright, God will be around you like a hedge of fire to protect you and sustain you. 
Tell him if God says you will, you will. Clap your hands and give praise to God. I want to pray for somebody who would say yes to God. You've lived your life, you've followed your purpose, your goals, your objectives, but you've not given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sins are not forgiven. You're not saved. You've not made up your mind that you're going to follow the Lord and do the will of God. God is at work in the world, and those who obey God and follow God and seek God are the ones who will have God's blessing upon their life and God's sanction on what they do. Jesus came to the earth and died for your sins, that you might be saved, that you might have eternal life. I want to pray for somebody who does not know the Lord Jesus. I'll pray for you right where you stand. The Lord will save you and forgive your sins right where you are, and you'll never be the same again. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you would say, Lord, I want to surrender to you. I've done my thing and gone in my way. But now, dear Lord, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to hear the voice of God say, well, well done, when I stand before him in judgment. And if you're that person, if you would say, preacher, pray for me. I'll pray for you right where you are. And Jesus can come into your life right where you are. But I need you to lift your hand as your way of saying, Preacher, include me in the prayer. I realize I need to make a change. Pray with me that God will help me to make that change tonight. That I'll become a follower of the Lord. That I'll say yes to my Lord Jesus Christ. I see those hands. There are at least ten more of you that need to raise your hands and hold your hands high the name of the Lord. In the balcony, I'm speaking to you too. The Lord loves you. This is your day, your time. While those hands are lifted, dear Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you've let these individuals live to this day. You could have allowed them to be removed from the earth, but you've extended their lives and you've performed a thousand miracles that they might be alive today and accept you as Savior. Come into their lives. Let them never, ever again be the same. Let them become involved in the pursuit of your purpose, your glory, and your will. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody say this prayer after me, please. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me and arose from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. I give my life to him and I thank you, Lord. I am forgiven. I thank you, Lord. I am saved. I thank you, Lord. I have new life. Let's praise God. Let's magnify God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for life. Thank you for saving from sin. Thank the Lord.